Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time it is, I just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning in to this podcast. We are in episode four. It has been a month since I dove into this, talking to all the queens that left home a little bit too early on RuPaul's Drag Race. I want to say thank you guys so much for your continued listening. Thank you guys for rating, reviewing. If you haven't done that, you better head over to Apple Podcasts and do so. This person that we have for this episode... You guys have been asking for her. It, like literally, it's one of the most common people that has been in the comment section that you guys are requesting. She is now an entrepreneur. I mean, she literally just worked with Trixie for Trixie Cosmetics for the Bottle Blonde line. And then she has her YouTube where she styles all the wigs. She has done so well for herself. Without further ado, US Season 9 first out, James Mansfield. <laughs> Please welcome James Mansfield. Hey, hey. Hi, Joseph. I look back on meeting you for the first time, and it was probably my favorite interview that evening. It was the red carpet finale for season nine. You had your white puppet, <laughs> and it was the... Wait, wait, wait. What was the creature? It was a fox. It was just named Foxy. Yes. I'm so creative. Yeah, and it was Terminal Canadian Rat. <laughs> Got to sneak that old joke in there. I remember that to a T. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Your career is so amusing to me because you dibble and dabble in everything. Your creative brain must be going 100 miles an hour. Do you feel that? I am a dibbler and a little bit of a dabbler, but yes, I mean, I just can't stop working. That's part of the fun of being a YouTuber and. Going home first, especially, you just you got to keep moving and keep stuff like happening in order to like, you know, keep the career alive so people remember who you are and don't call you a James Mann's face or whatever happened to, you know, James Mann's feet, that one person that went home first. James Mann's feet. <laughs> what, what was the, the scene? You, you've moved now, correct? But what was the scene like in Milwaukee? Oh, it was desolate, war-torn, like Mad Max Fury. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It was actually... It's very weird. Like, it changed a lot when I was coming up. Because bear in mind, when I got on Drag Race, I was a baby queen. So, like, I had just found, like, a home bar spot. But for the most part, like, it was very pageanty. Lots and lots of pageants. Like, legendary pageant queens have gone through Wisconsin. And then there's, like, this weird alt-art scene that was sort of sparking up with all the little college kids. And that was the scene I sort of found myself in after a certain point. Because, honey, it was Dire. I used to do like burlesque shows, performing for all of my friends, literally. The audience would be like five of my friends and like a drunk guy at some straight bar. Stop. It's horrible. But you know what? It, what? It was, it was a good learning lesson because it taught you how to perform for literally anyone. And not to, it humbles you too because you're just like, <laughs> okay, well, this is it. This is showbiz. <laughs> Do you get scared or nervous if it is your friends and family watching you? No, absolutely not. I didn't really subject them to a whole lot of like acting or school plays or anything like that growing up. So this is my, this is my revenge. Like they didn't put me, they didn't invest in me. So now they have to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I never got piano lessons or anything like that. Planet. You have to watch me dress up like a lady now. Too bad. So let's get into your start into the drag scene. What was your first performance like? And I don't mean like performance in, you know, the bathroom or the closet. I'm meaning like your first performance on a stage. What was that like? Is this not a stage? <laughs> no, um, my first performance, I was actually at a Christmas show at the LGBT Center in Milwaukee. And it was literally for like a lot of stuffy, you know, puppy sweater gays, a lot of money and power. And I think I did a number of, I, yeah, I remember it was on Vermilion Lies, that group, their song Global Warming. And I had a puppet, basically, we're both dressed up, you know, all snuggled up in our big coats and everything, which was not a smart idea and full face of paint looking back at it. I think I made that outfit out of like baby blankets. So I was dying in that thing. But we sang this little cute song about the world ending because of global warming. It didn't go over well. <laughs> it was too hard. Wait, really? 
Why, why was that? Why didn't it go over well? I think people at that point were just like, they expected, you know, your standards, you know, the had yourselves a merry little Christmas. They didn't want to think about the world ending. I'm ahead of my time, really. <laughs> that is very ahead of your time. You were trying to stop it before it even started. You were like, come on, let's bring the puppets in and let's teach everybody a very valuable lesson. Wake up, damn it. No, I wish, I should lie and say it's more Wake of a statement, but honestly, I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> now, how long had you been doing drag before you ended up auditioning for Drag Race? Um, I literally first auditioned for Drag Race the year I started drag. That's how, not once say I thought I was ready, I just wanted to be out of Wisconsin. So like by any means necessary, I was going to get out. <laughs> oh, when baby, when I finally got on that thing, I look back at my audition tape like, babe, you were lying. <laughs> You're a liar. You don't dance. You fool. Wait, what were you lying about? I fully was like, girl, I'm a performance artist. I perform all the time. I'm a dancing queen. I'll give you everything. But no, you won't. <laughs> But I interviewed really well. That's why I always had a job. I just never kept them. Drag Race was no exception. Well, well, speaking of Drag Race, I mean, eventually you get on the show. And one thing that I have heard from so many people is you had RuPaul saying it. You had Michelle saying it. You had um, Alexis Michelle saying it. Is that your audition video was like the funniest thing ever. What what was in this audition video? Oh man, it's a, incredible to think of. Uh, I like the idea that people think it's so funny because it was nothing for me when I was doing it. I was just talking and like, it's really like my low, low budget, you know, production that was making it all happen. I like did the sissy that walk acting scene with a puppet. Like we're going back and forth fighting like it's Valley of the Dolls. Um, I was performing outside in public, which I found out everybody does. I guess I was just more outrageous than others. But it also puts you in that weird situation where, like, people have built up this audition tape now where I can never release it. Because it's like that painting in Mrs. Maisel where, like, they built it up, but they can never show it now because it's never going to live up to the expectation. <laughs> well, that, that was the next question I was going to ask you because everybody's like, is he ever going to release it or react to it? And I guess that question... Is no, you know what you should do? I don't even have it anymore. I deleted it. You deleted this video that everybody is talking about. Yeah, it's gone forever. Poof. Just like oh that. My gosh. It's sort of like when Paramount had that great fire, we lost all of those amazing films we'll never see again. You'll never see Wings Foley. It's just like that. <laughs> Did you burn it? Did you burn it? You pulled out the tape and you're like, I'm setting fire to this. You get on Drag Race, we're never going to see this tape from what you're saying. It's never going to see the light of day, but we will just know that it goes down in history as making so many people laugh, but none of none of the people at home, but just the behind the scenes. Tens of people um, have laughed. You, you walk into the workroom. Did you know any of those queens when you walked in? Um, I knew of Peppermint because I was literally just talking about her on my show, Drag Herstory, like a few weeks before. So, like, I knew of Peppermint, and I saw her on that Gay.com series they had on YouTube. They, like, profiled her and a bunch of other queens, like Bianca, before she was on and everything. I knew of Peppermint. I had worked with Shea Coulee, like, once. We had done one show in Chicago. And other than that, like, you only know of her because she would pass through Milwaukee from time to time. So, like, I knew of her. I sort of, like, knew her as an acquaintance. I think I had seen some stuff with Charlie's because she was really big on YouTube. And yeah, that's about it. I didn't know anyone else. <laughs> I was like, who are these people? <laughs> so one thing that's been talked about quite recently along Drag Race is that as these years are going on, these queens are spending more and more and more money on their outfits and their wigs and everything. When you were on, did you make everything of yours by hand? I actually only spent like $3,000 on my package and I made almost everything. There are a few things from Amazon that I bought is incredible. That add to it. But yeah, everything was made by me. You end up on this episode. And this was like, was this one of the first, this was the first time you guys were on VH1, right? We didn't even know that. We found out we were on VH1 really? when everybody else did. Like they told us literally nothing while we were filming it. We thought we were just going to be on Logo and like four people were going to see this. So that was like, okay. That was a little scary thinking about it. Because like you think VH1, you're just like, Amazing shows have come through here. Rock of love, flavor of love, surreal life. How are we going to live up to that? 
I love New York. I love New York too. I love money. I love money. Daisy of love. Megan needs a millionaire. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic, I'm telling you. Like, it was Classic. really intimidating. But you end up on VH1 and you have this random person who walks into the workroom of Drag Race who is acting like that they are a male, but they are not. And they are Lady Gaga. Did you have any suspicions? Everyone was whispering, like, I see the thigh tattoo. That has to be her. And I was like, she has a thigh tattoo? How do you know all this stuff? <laughs> but then she threw the mask off. I just off. followed like, her oh, into yeah, the bathroom. That's, that's it. <laughs> it's the real McCoy. It's it's the real thing. And I will say this. When you guys had to come out on the runway with your Gaga look, I understood where you were coming from. I do not think that a lot of people understood where you were coming from, but you were channeling Lady Gaga on the cover of Vogue, but the pre-photoshopped version. Am I correct? Yes. I would like to think I was serving the Photoshop version. It was basically, you know, before the photo was taken as she's walking over there and she's imagining yes. what it's all going to look like after it's doctored up, you know? It's, there was layers to that, okay? And honestly, as far as that runway goes, it was not my worst one. That was the better of the two. <laughs> my hometown look was total bullshit. <laughs> That's what I was bullshitting on, okay? Like, <laughs> well, and, and you had the privilege, too, of being a first out queen who ended up being on two episodes because you didn't have an elimination that first episode. No, thank God, because I would have been in the bottom <laughs> compared to everyone else's packages. Yeah, like, I, I the Lady Gaga one, I was proud of, though, because we got two days to do it. They told us two days before we left, so I had to buy purple fabric out of nowhere and search all of her glossary, all these amazing outfits that I can make in a span of two days. So I decided on that one because it's a silhouette I always do. So I stayed up getting hot glue gun burns, trying to make all those little panels I put on there, which was a mistake because the HD camera completely erased them. <laughs> I made little panels to cover the whole dress in. Had I known, what? I would have just wore, you know, a black corset and a hat or something, you know? Things you think about <laughs> later on. Put on a you should have just come out as a baby. <laughs> you should have come out with a baby with a pacifier and you pulled it out and you're like, Gaga. <gasps> That's a good idea. Or like I could do um come out with like a hoodie on and a long dark wig with a salad and be her from um, Boiling Points. That's a real deep cut. <laughs> Stop! I forgot when she was on that show. <laughs> she didn't win. She, she didn't win either. She didn't win. That would have been absolutely hilarious. I would have been all for that. See, I'm a, I'm for the obscure. I've recently I've recently got my straight brother to start watching Drag Race within the past like month. He loves every single queen that is a little bit outlandish and out there. And I literally was like, you have to watch season nine. You have to see James Mansfield. And I was like, before you watch, I said, you have to watch my interview with her on the red carpet because you're going to have to see this amazing puppet. And so he watched that and he was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then he went and watched your season. He thought the same thing. And he literally was like, I want an international all-stars now of Jimbo, Bag of Chips, uh, James Mansfield, and he was like naming off all of his like quirky, fun, all and I was like, weirdos. that would be the perfect season. <laughs> all the weirdos. But at the end of the day, the level and the love of drag that you have is so outstanding to me. Like, I think that you encapsulate something that we aren't technically, I guess, used to seeing like on the television of RuPaul's Drag Race, because you have the fashion queens, you have the comedy queens, you have, you know, these queens who are just known for their lip syncs. You are a full-blown personality. How much of you out of drag is you in drag? Absolutely none of it. That's the thing, like, um, when I was out of drag and stuff like that, like, I'm very much more subdued. Like, I cut a lot of jokes, but on the most part, it's just I usually, I like to stay home and hang out with my friends. Like, this is the only time I really turn it on is when I'm out in drag. I'll, you know, the asshole comes out and you, you get James Mansfield. He's got to turn it on. It's, it's my own little outlet. It makes me outgoing. It forces me to be outgoing. Yeah, it forces you to be outgoing. Were you outgoing in that uh, cheerleading competition challenge that was known as the killer of 10 million queens? 
We're gonna talk about the cheerleading challenge. All right, here we go. Let's get settled in then, okay. Now, bear in mind, I have no athletic background whatsoever. I wouldn't even run miles in gym class. I was that kid that would walk with all of his girlfriends. Yes. I'm not athletic. So I took it upon myself, like I'm really gonna push myself in this because they haven't really been impressed with any of my runways and my white party runway isn't that great either. So I'm gonna make sure I really, really nail this challenge. So I stayed up all night learning that stupid choreography and figuring out all of like the tumble passes and everything. And I settled on that tumble pass because I knew it was the only thing I could do that was athletic. <laughs> I was like, I could throw yes. myself forward. Like, I ain't doing no fucking cartwheel. That ain't happening. So yeah, I did that and I kept doing it and kept doing it. And I practiced all night. And when the challenge finally happened, they judged everything. The girl who won, won for smiling. So yeah. Long story short, the cheerleading challenge was bullshit. And I don't think I should have gone yeah. home. Yeah. Well, I don't think you should have gone home either. But I, how long did that take to actually like film? Did you just have one take? Did you have multiple takes? When did Eureka break her leg or whatever she did? Like, <laughs> did that happen over the course of multiple takes? I wasn't, I wasn't even looking when she broke her, when she hurt herself. I think that it happened on like the first and she did it again with the heart, with her injury. But like, we got like, I want to say like a few days to work on it, maybe three or four. Like it was a decent amount of time to figure out such a simple routine. Like they really did dumb it down a whole lot for us. But bear in mind, like we're all varying age ranges and varying levels of athletic. So even a dumbed down, like it still looked like garbage. And like, I think everyone knew that. It's like, we're gonna have to do serious cutting on this because no one looks good here. But like, we all tried our best. And like, I feel like it was a very, very ambitious challenge that maybe you should have saved for like a later season when everyone's like in Circus de Soleil, you know? Everyone does cartwheels and jumps off the stage now. Y'all were learning and VH1 learned pretty fast to never give anybody a cheerleading dance crazy challenge again. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like the Eureka thing really took everyone off, like off, we didn't even see that coming. And I'm surprised she held on to that injury as long as she did. The second I hurt myself, like I'm out. <laughs> I could have st- stubbed my toe <laughs> and been done, okay? Unfortunately, that cheerleading challenge ended up placing you in the bottom, and yeah. you had to perform Love Shock by the B-52s. And honestly, this was another comment that was said multiple times. Everybody, and myself included, believes that you actually won that lip sync, no matter the edit, no matter the angle. Well, I mean, I love that that's the impression about that. I, don't th- I was there, okay? So what happened, what had happened was I was in that lip sync and I knew I was going to do this song well because I knew all the words. Because that's one of those songs where if you work in retail, you hear it all the time. So like I'm sitting there like, Tin Roof! Like, you know, just, it's ingrained in your memory. You can't forget that song. So I knew all those words. But when you're lip syncing, you don't expect those little things to happen. And I'm not making excuses. This is just what happened to me. Like I look down, my shoulder pad is like sliding out. I look down and like my heels caught that ungrouted freaking tile they have there just the solid you know chunks of cutouts of those squares my shoes come off and the second the shoes come off you're like oh yeah i'm not winning this one because <laughs> like i look like a little hog lip syncing it's like yeah it's curtains for you kid no matter what she's doing you're going home <laughs> and she had her back to the judges the whole time practically love her but yeah <laughs> She definitely sold something there that I wasn't giving. So, you know, it's all good. She won. She got to stay in another episode. You sold a plane ticket back to your hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Is They're what just you like sold. looking up Southwest flights as I was lip syncing before the song even started. <laughs> they were like over the like intercom right before the lip sync. James Mansfield, can you please tell us your birthday, uh, your middle name oh and um, window or aisle? What is the weight of your heaviest bag? God, I wish they paid for the bags. Good Lord. (laughs) Let's talk about your exit. And then we're going to get into your winning. Because, you know, I do believe that you are a true winner of this franchise, even though you did leave out early. You do get eliminated. Don't know if you know that. Um, You walk into back into the workroom. Was Aja the only one who did write you a goodbye letter? As far as I know, I think she's the only one they allowed to have paper. Because, you know, we, we do get locked in closets and left for 20 days, you know, until we call them mommy and see that we're allowed to see the daylight. 
and they slide in like scraps of food as we're in our, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> in the hotel room under the door, the they're like, they do the way, wait, do they put the tape on the door? You know, like if you were to go on a retreat or something as a child, they put tape on your door. If you open the hotel door, they know. They did do that, but now I'm intrigued. Like you got to go on retreats as a child. What kind of privileged childhood did you have, Joseph? You went to summer camp? <laughs> no, I didn't go to any summer camp. It was some Christian school. It was like the, yeah, it was like the, the old school Christian family. Let's take you to St. Louis for a two-day field trip. Oh, where like they take you through like the Stations of the Cross. You have to see like reenactments of like all the sins that'll happen to you if you do stuff. They, that fun thing where like they strap you to the chair and then dump yes, you in the Yes, exactly. Oh, that's fun. What a fun time to be a child. That's great. I think they call it baptism. Is it baptism? <laughs> That has to be yes, it. I yes, 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 yes. Totally. Yeah, I had to have all of that. Do you feel, after your time on the show, that you were represented to America the best James Mansfield way? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of stuff that had happened and the way they edited things around, like, did kind of disappoint me a bit. And, like, I mentioned that to them to their face, so it's like not like they're hearing anything new. Like, they know exactly how I felt. But my entrance, I was not pleased with because I thought they edited me to be very, very like dumb. They did that thing where they had me enter twice because I ran over to the girls too quickly. So my second entrance, I'm walking in and I'm standing at the end of the little thing where they make you do it. And I'm sitting there like posing. And after a certain point, I'm looking over at the camera crew like, OK, can I can I go over there now? And they used it against me. I was so mad. Just little oh. things like that. Because they're telling a story, you know, so it's understandable. Like, I look back at it now, like, it's fine. But, yeah, it did upset me at that time. <laughs> well, yeah. And, I mean, I talked to uh, Nasha Lopez the other day, and she said that when she was on her season, they gave them 15 minutes to rehearse uh, skating, like, with the roller skates. And she said that... She practiced with the instructor for the 15 minutes and she fell during the rehearsal. But then on the main stage, she never fell, but they were recording the rehearsal and showed that. And I was like, oh, no, no. And I laughed because like they made that iconic meme of Cynthia's shoe flying off during that thing that hits her and she falls. <laughs> I love it so much. Yes, yes. Um, so you didn't like your entrance and the way that that was on the screen, was there anything else that you wish that would have been shown? I mean, other than that, it's like, I feel like everything was pretty fairly represented as far as it all went. And like, I got it. Like the only time I can really think of, like I don't really have that many bad memories of the show. Like going home first really sucked. I bawled my eyes out, but I kind of knew in the back of my mind it was going to be all right. Cause it's a TV show, you know? So it's like, you can't, you know, make that the reason to stop pursuing a career in this just because, you know, they didn't like you on a show. But I will say, like, the only time, the only bad memory from Drag Race I really have, actually, it's like, it all happens after the fact, you know? Like, just the little things you don't expect. Like, life slaps you really hard when you don't expect it. Like, I remember we had to film the promos, and, like, all the girls were, like, meeting around. And, like, I barely knew anybody because I wasn't there that long. And they're all discussing, like, you know, all these managers that are approaching them and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, like, one's approached me for anything because like everyone knew what happened already so I'm just like really sits in you like crap like no one's really thinking of me at all and like that's the kind of stuff that would weigh on you that you don't expect like it hits you out of nowhere and like everyone's like yeah I got like four or five people hitting me up and it's like I have no one and like thankfully it was Cynthia of all people that recommended you know my manager I currently still have but yeah like it's one of those things like you don't expect that you know because you think like, oh, I'm on this TV show. Everyone's going to be reaching out and it's not the case. And it just means you have to be doing more work, you know. And it's going to be up to you to make something happen. Don't sit around for it. That's exactly what you did, though. You've made so many things happen. Like, one of my favorite things to do is to go to your YouTube and to watch your videos of you styling wigs. I don't yeah. know why I find this so interesting because I do not... I'm not a wig person whatsoever, but just watching you take some cheap ass wig and change it into something that looks amazing. I am like, how in the world? Like what, like what goes through your head? Where did the training come from? Like, how did you even think I'm going to put this on YouTube and people are going to watch it? It sounds so bizarre, but like the training is honestly just from trial and error and like just learning on the job. Like, 
when I started, there was really nothing. Like there was no one teaching you how to do wigs. So like there was a hole in the market there. And honestly, like I remember was watching a few videos on like how to root a hairline and practiced it. And, you know, you had two days to do it, time to film it. And it just kept going on from there. And like, I noticed a lot of people really like it when I struggle and I suffer. So like the worse the wig is, chances are the more people want to watch it. Like (laughs) I've done stuff from like the dollar stores and things like that. Like, I style like a $1 Billie Eilish wig that really people really gravitated to. Like the crappier they are. I don't know why. Like I don't know why people want to see me suffer. <laughs> but I, I I don't know. Like it's a weird thing to just explain because I have a really fun fan base. Like the people that watch my shit, like watch my stuff, like they really, really invest in it. And I don't know why. And it's always the same comment of, I don't even know anything about wigs and I'm watching this. And I'm just like, Thanks, you know, just make sure you sit through the ads too. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> That's how I'm making my coin. <laughs> well, by all means, never pick up you, a wig if you don't have to. I mean, just watch my videos. I'm fine with that. <laughs> now, before we dive in a little bit more, I have some fan questions for you. Are you ready for these fan questions? Sure. Let's open up this, this big meaty box and I'm looking inside And this question is from Hank. Hank wants to know, have you gotten Bob's iconic wig yet? And do you already have a plan on what to do with it? Oh my God, will you leave me alone about this wig? My gosh, everyone is asking me about it. And Bob has already made a statement saying that she is not giving it away. She's keeping it. So you guys ruined it, okay? She was going to give it to me and then she took it back. It's like the nanny. You guys ruined this. Maxwell finally said he loved her and then he took it back. That's where we're at right now. Right? Right when you had it, you just spoke a little too soon. And all you fans, that was that was probably the most common question I got asked. Somebody who was anonymous asked the following, and I have no idea what they are referring to. I want to know why you're eating a meatball sandwich right out in class. Oh, Joseph. How old are you, Joseph? How old? I am 30. Okay, so this reference, you were around, you were gay long enough to know who John Waters is. It's a line from from Female Trouble, from Female Trouble when Don Davenport's eating a meatball sub in class. See, I was I was taking I was taking that. I was like, are you in a class eating a meatball sub right now? <laughs> Here's another one for you. Why are you so fun, bubbly, and passionate on YouTube, but you are so bitter on Twitter? Bitter? Oh my gosh. I really come off bitter? Oh my, this is news to me. I'm a little hurt. I will have you know, I am bitter as I'm styling those wigs too. No, I'm <laughs> No, um, let's see. <laughs> well, let's see. Well, at YouTube, I'm working. And on Twitter, I have my free time. And half the time, it's just like whatever hateful thought pops in my mind that I know it's not going to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> so I'm sorry I feel so passionately about meatball subs. But if that's going to ruin your whole day, don't follow me on Twitter. I I love that answer. And the last fan question I have is from JLC. This is a multi-level question. How was the move? Okay, it's chaotic. I'm still currently in it. I'm not fully set up, but I did set up the Barbies. So like the most important things are done so far. And like I put away some towels. So like I'm exhausted. But, you know... It's slowly coming together mm. and it's, you know, I'm just, I still have to meet people, Joseph. I don't know anyone here. Like I just found out Alexis Mateo lives here. Oh, so now I have you're to You're fresh. And- so you're oh. fresh into Vegas. Yes. I really have so many girls have moved here. There's so many houses I have to egg. That's a joke. They don't have houses. There, there are, <laughs> yeah, so many people have been moving here. I see everybody's been performing at the garden and Piranha. Like, yes. are you, are you going to get back into the, the live scene soon? Absolutely not. (laughs) I get paid to sit around and film YouTube videos and not wear a corset. Why would I give that up? (laughs) I don't have to leave my house. I'm going to ride this YouTube thing out until it's gone. Right? (laughs) I don't need to wear heels if I don't want to. Right? No need for heels. They already left you on your lip sync, so they are not going to come back. Oh, let me tell you right now, those... Heels that flew off me were the same heels I wore in my promo. I just dyed them blue. So they weren't lucky for that either. So oh. <laughs> they got destroyed with paint, so it's fine. You know, I got my revenge. 
JLC's next question for you. Does your bitchy mannequin head co-star have a name? She does not have a name. I was thinking of bullying a contest to have my like subscribers pick a name for her. Just, you know, to create, you know, some fun engagement. But like, yeah, I'm just, I got so much to do, Joseph. I don't have time to name mannequins. You can't just, you know, she's, she's just there. Plus, I'm the star. If she gets a name, chances are she'll start feeling focus. I can't have that. What it all about? I, I love that. I love that you said she's just there. That's going to be her name to me. Just there. Uh, <laughs> her over there. Oh, what's her name? Just her over there. The last question from JLC. I know that you're required by gay law to answer a question about all stars, but maybe if I change this up, you'll answer it in a different way. What are the various reasons why you would not want to risk being on an All-Stars? Do you feel like if you were to go on an All-Stars, you could be risking or hurting your career? I wouldn't say I'd be hurting it. I mean, I feel like it would definitely be a nice little boost. But I also, it's not one of the things where I really put a lot of stock into it, if that makes any sense. I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. And I'm happy having all the control that I have. And being in, you know, basically in control of my own destiny. And with RuPaul's Drag Race and everything, like you sign a lot to get like back on that TV show. And like, you have to sacrifice a lot in order to do it. So like, I'd have to put aside my business, my YouTube channel, like a lot of stuff I'd have to like put to the side in order to do that. And to be quite honest with you, I just don't really see why I would want to. Like, I feel like I've already showed what I can do. Yeah. It'd be nice to have the platform, nice to have the exposure on television, but that's honestly all I'll be doing it for. And like, I don't really have that competitive spirit like that. You know, it's not really my thing. I didn't like the reality TV show aspect of anything, you know? If they said to you, James, we will let you re-sign the same contract you signed for season nine. You will not have to sign this new one and be changed us for four by years. The way. <laughs> in terms I don't know if that contract is real or not so like that's not what I signed good lord <laughs> oh my god they practically have your firstborn at this point <laughs> no like, right <laughs> like I said like if I were to go I just want to know that I'm having fun with it this time and it would be a different experience because like I said like I was a baby queen when I got on I'm not the same person I was four yeah. years ago that was four years ago that's the problem, too, is like a lot of people seem to love to live in that moment and think that's how you are forever. It's like a lot has changed, babes. Honey dips, that was four years what? ago. You're not the same person? No. It's like that bridesmaids argument. I <laughs> wanted season yeah. nine. I wanted season nine, James Mansfield on this show. This is blasphemy bad. <laughs> we want James Mansfield from that season with her nude lips that got erased in the workroom and her no eyebrows as a boy. Yeah. It was a rough time, you know. Take the one you got now. It's a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) So you get off the show. What was reception like for you? What did you... Because I think you were one of the first queens to go home first who I absolutely loved and a lot of people remember. Do you feel like you had more of a name to yourself than the others who went home before you? I definitely had an advantage because it was on VH1, so a lot more people got to see me. But other than that, like I knew there was going to be a, at least a guaranteed small crux of people who would get it. And there's going to be a lot more who didn't get it or just blindly follow whatever something tells them. And those are the people I decided from that point on, like I wasn't going to care about them. You're just going to focus on the ones that love you and want to see what you do. And that's exactly what I did. Like the second I got home, my boyfriend told me flat out, like, we have to start working now because you didn't get to stay on that show as long as anyone else. So you have to make sure people see you. And that's exactly what we did. Like we're a team. He's my boyfriend, Ernie. He's honestly the reason I'm so passionate about the YouTube channel, because had it been up to me, I probably would have just gone back to being a civilian, just gave up. It's like basically you have to have that strong foundation there that pushes you and motivates you to want to do stuff, you know? So when I got back home, I knew exactly what the perceptions were going to be because they weren't high for me when I left. So you took it upon yourself to prove all those people wrong and show them exactly what you're capable of. And I feel like I've done that. And that's also like to partly answer the All-Stars question, like I don't feel like I really have to answer to anyone. 
Like, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I feel good about what I present now. So why bother, you know? I love that you said that your boyfriend was the one that pushed you to keep going and doing and, you know, starting and doing the YouTube because a, a very similar thing happened to me where it was like, I had this idea to do it and I wanted to do it. And I literally was just like, told my boyfriend one time, I was like, maybe, maybe I'll do this. And he was like, you need to do it. He was like, do it right now while you have the opportunity. And if I didn't listen to that or keep pushing through, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Exactly. It's always those people that just have to say, well, just do it already. You don't shut up about it. Just do it. (laughs) It's that little push you need. Exactly. It's the little, the little baby push you need. What would you say is the most negative thing to come from your time on Drag Race? Like I said before, like the only bad memories of Drag Race all happened outside of the show. Like the only really, really bad fan reception I can remember on top of my head is I remember we had to do like a premiere in New York. And like I prepared a little like talent package that was required of us. And they were going to show the first 20 minutes of the episode. So I was really excited about that. Because it's like, of all things, I know my entrance is really, really funny. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I'm sitting in the wings. And I'm standing behind a bunch of background dancers or some of the girls. And they had the thing projected 20 feet high. And there's a live audience of all these drag race stands watching, right? And I look at it. It's like, okay. I just saw what's, whoever came before me go on. So I know I'm next. And like I see it. And it does. I watch the whole entrance play out. And, like, I remember seeing the audience reaction kind of shift from excited to just, like, and it just, like, devastated me. And I remember, like, the de- background dancer standing oh. in front of me turned around and looked back at me, like, and, like, I remember I walked, like, they, I watched myself walk in with the puppet and everything, and I played my joke and everything, and they added all that sound effects to it and made it seem like, you know, I wasn't funny or anything like that. And I remember hearing boos. And that was the one point where I was just like, okay, I'm going to turn around now. And I remember as I was walking back, like just all starts coming down and I felt so shitty and I still had to perform. So I had to somehow snap out of that. And of all people, it was Trinity and Kimora that came to my side and like were helping me through it because I was devastated and like it hurt so much, but I had to go back on stage because I had to perform. So I had to somehow muster that up. I was like, okay, well, that sucked, but now you have to pick yourself up and you have to perform. You have to be so funny for these people that they'll forget that 20 minutes and think, well, maybe it's just editing. And I feel like I did that because, like, I did Julie Brown, Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun with a puppet, and I tumbled and everything. Like, I really gave it my all. And there was a Reddit forum where they were ranking all the girls' performances afterwards. And I was right near the top, I think right under, like, Aja or somebody. So I was like, okay. So I feel a little better about this now. That moment sucked. With, that's all it was. It was just a moment. So you can't let that break your spirit because there's got to be a lot moment. more of it. <laughs> yeah. But that's the only bad thing I can remember. I mean, I will say that you took your reign on the show and out of the season 9, 10, 11, 12, 19 million girls that we now have now, you are still a name and you've kept your name. You've kept a great social presence, great YouTube. And... Now, recently, I was like, oh my gosh, is that James Mansfield and Trixie Mattel sitting in some chairs with uh, the lovely little hair dryer? What's going on now? And I was like, all right. So I want to talk about this bottle blonde and how this whole collab ended up coming about. How did, how did that come? Did Trixie just call you and was like, yo, bitch, you're going to do this? Well, I was doing wigs for her here and there. Like, we had started a relationship. Like, we'd known each other for years. And when I started the wig company, my boyfriend actually started doing hand tying for wigs. And we offered it to Trixie because I know she loves to do, like, those pulled back hairstyles. So I was like, if you want, we could just make you a wig. If you want to wear it, that'd be great. And it just kind of started from there. Like, we started making wigs for her. Like, we do a lot of her base wigs. And... From there, it turned into me doing a couple wigs for her for some of her, like, launch videos. And then finally turned around to, hey, girl, um, I have this collection I'm launching. It's hair-themed, so I think you would be a really good fit for this if you can do it. No rush. It's going to be on your birthday, by the way. (laughs) It felt like it was planned that way, but it all just kind of, like, kind of fell together. (laughs) So it seems like all these coincidences started happening. 
But I was like, we've always been really good friends. And I do love Trixie. Like, she honestly is one of the best friendships I've gotten from this Drag Race thing because we knew each other before. I did wigs for her for her season. So, like, we have a history together where it's one of those things where we weren't the closest of friends, but, you know, trauma bonds are the strongest. So (laughs) somehow we've managed to, like, just stick together and still remain good friends despite how awful I am to her. (laughs) What what has the reception from the line been like? Um, I think it's been really, really good. Like, I feel like, again, the people that subscribe to me and really like me, I love them because they really like to see me do well or see nice things happen for me, which I really like. That's the kind of fan base you want. <laughs> they like it when cool things happen. Yeah. I get to do cool stuff. So, like, it got really, really good response. And I think a lot of the stuff sold out. It's just a few things that are left. So, as far as it goes, it being... I don't mean to brag or anything, but this this old gal can still sell a few couples of makeup, you know? She still got it. I mean, you can because I tried to find a palette and all that stuff and I couldn't find shit. So it's all sold out. You played the game well. You played the game well. You had that lovely moment of this line and everything that's coming from that. What do you think is the best or biggest highlight or achievement you've had in your career? Biggest achievement. Let's see. There's a lot. Like, it's little things, but the little things mean a lot. Like, I got to do a Provincetown residence. I got to do one-woman shows. And those are things that really meant, like, big career milestones for me because they're things I always wanted to do but never really had the opportunity. And I managed to make it happen with very little experience in it. And other than that, like, the Bile Blonde thing was amazing. I loved that I got to do that. But also, I feel like the biggest career milestone for me is honestly just the fact that I'm still here making videos. Because that's honestly what I love doing. And the wig business has been great, too. Like, just these little things I got to do all because I was on a television show for roughly 35 minutes. That's incredible. And, like, you know, I just, you know, that's one of the things I really, really love, you know? It's like, it catapulted me to places I never thought I could go. And all I had to do was just take advantage of the little things that they gave me, you know? I'm in a very, very happy place in my life right now. So I thought you said a very hairy place. I was like, me too. I mean, not thanks to Manscaped. No, no, not at all. Plug <laughs> <laughs> that Manscaped. <laughs> yeah, go go to um James Mansfield Instagram. The code is there and you can uh <laughs> <laughs> save there. And free shipping. Well, let free me, shipping let me well. ask you, do you yeah. have... What a guy can do. Yes, <laughs> the free shipping is everything. International too, international. Did you get your plaque yet? Because you're over 100,000 subscribers, right? There she is. Can you see her? She's back there behind my shoulder. Just look over your yes! shoulder. <laughs> look over the shoulder. Oh, you got a pretty one too. Yeah, the little silver one. I remember everyone else telling me like how much of a struggle it was. It's like, you just have to be like me. Like how I was with the RuPaul Mac kit. I made sure I got that fucking statue, okay? Just like I made sure I got that YouTube plaque. You just have to pester them. Pestering always works. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So you you took the statue? Oh, yeah. I didn't get to take it home with me, but I made sure to bother them week after week to make sure they send it to me. That's the least yes! they can do. Yes, as you should have. <laughs> That's the least they could do. So since this show is called Exposed, I would like for you to expose one thing. You want a titty? I can show you a titty. Yes, show the titty. <laughs> that happened on Drag Race behind the scenes that didn't make it to air. So this could be a heartfelt moment. This could be you eating chicken tenders on a hotel bed. This could be anything that happened behind the scenes that didn't show on camera, that you were either sad, proud, mad, happy about? Well, I'll give you two. I'll give you one. I'll give you one that's heartfelt and I'll give you one that kind of pissed me off. So here we go. The first one that didn't get aired was an untucked moment where Lady Gaga came back and spoke to all of us. And she gave me a lot of compliments saying, you know, you are so funny. And I love the dress. The dress looks amazing. And I can tell you must have made it, which sounded like a read, but she said it in such a passionate way that it really like hit home. Like, oh, she likes me. Yes. She was also just like, her advice to me was, you know, if I were you, I suffered a lot in my early career because I always was playing characters. So I want you to show people the real you. 
And I took that advice to heart and, you know, I ended up not using the voice or anything in the later challenges. And they told me on the runway they wanted to see more of my character. So, you know, that's fine. You know, you know not everyone's advice is great. But, you know, she gave me a compliment. So I really appreciate that. You know, she's a sweet girl. She just gives really bad advice. <laughs> the second one, the one that pissed me off. Um, did you hear the promo story already? No. Okay. Well, what had happened was we were told to make outfits that could possibly be destroyed because... There was going to be some elements used during the promo. Like they're going to throw, you know, like ink and paint and all sorts of stuff, like colorful dust mm-hmm. to make it look very visual. Well, I made an outfit that I knew I wouldn't care about if it got destroyed. And it comes time, like me and five other girls all agreed to have our costumes destroyed because we didn't really care because they weren't expensive. So I opted to be first and they hit me with paint directly in the face, like orange paint, just like spit it out my mouth. And it looked really cool on camera. I will give them that, like the paint and the dust and everything. And I'm looking at it. It's like, wait, the earrings I borrowed aren't on that shot. So neither is the necklace I had on because that was borrowed. And the other girls, all the stuff that they had on, like one of them wasn't wearing their breastplate for it. So none of these are really going to sync up unless they're doing like some major CGI. And I thought to myself, like, they're not going to use any of this, I bet. And lo and behold, when that promo premiered, not one of those queens was doused with elements. (laughs) So I completely destroyed my outfit for no reason. No. <laughs> the real joke is on me because my outfit was mostly tulle, so I could have probably washed all of that out. I just didn't feel like dragging it back to the hotel with me. So so your your outfit was in the dumpster. Somewhere in West Hollywood, there is that outfit, yes. Which, to be fair, it probably would have ended up there anyway because it wasn't that great. <laughs> it was doing it a service. Well, James... Coming in is your outfit that I stole from the garbage Ooh. can four years ago. Oh my God. And could you believe it? It still fits. Still, still there, still there. <laughs> so you got that paint stuff like thrown in your face. Did the other girls just chicken out? Did anybody else do it? I wouldn't say they chickened out. Like four other girls besides me did it. The other ones were full on just like, this outfit cost me $1,000. I'm not doing this. Which was smart, you know, because they got to wear it again for photo shoots and have the keepsake. But like me and a bunch of other girls were just like, we're, we're down to do anything. Let's do it. And we did it thinking it was going to look very visual. And it did. Like it looked really stunning. It just didn't make the final cut. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to be a negative dance and sit there and tell everyone, you know this isn't going to make the promo, right? Because there's no continuity here. Right. But I knew. I knew it wasn't going to get used. You, you knew it deep down inside. Let me ask you, as we're closing this out, what's next for you? What's your career goals trajectory for this year? What can we expect? Expect to see me doing a lot more with my business and a lot more YouTube. I have some really fun videos planned, especially the one I'm going to release soon. I'm really excited about this one. It may answer a lot of unanswered questions about, you know, things people keep asking me. So just, I don't want to build up too much or give too much away, but it's going to be fun. And it'll probably be released by the time this gets out. So, you know, can just figure it out from there. Just detective one. I saw a sneak preview and you're doing Bob's wig. I I saw the the trailer. So, yeah. That's absolutely not true. All you fans, go try to find it. (laughs) You are such a liar. (laughs) It's Ariel's wig that Raja had. It's that wig. (laughs) A real deep cut. Real deep cut. Real deep cut. Where do you see yourself... In 10 years? Hmm. Hopefully dead. That'd be great for me. Because then I would be like, no, I would be old then. No, never mind. That wouldn't work out. Um, hopefully still doing what I'm doing at a, a bigger scale. You know, I'm just taking it one day at a time. I don't like to jinx anything. I'm very superstitious. You know, you just have to wait and see. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, Joseph. You have to wait and see. Don't jinx anything. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in 10 years, Joseph? And... Um, yes, you have that. Yeah, nobody's ever asked that. Where do I see myself in 10 years? You know where I would like to see myself in 10 years? I would like to see myself in 10 years sitting on the patio of Britney Spears' house. She's freed. She's finally free. And we are listening to not a girl, not yet a woman. I think that that would just be magical. Or that like American Doll album that never got released that everyone keeps saying is so great. I know about Britney too. Stop, yes. 
Let me ask you, last thing, your fans asked this, and I thought I would go ahead and try to see if you can help me out. They would like for you to teach me how to use the high-pitched squeak. How do you imitate that? Oh, well, the way I do it is it's air that's trapped in the back of my throat that I just kind of push forward. So the only way I can really do it is if I'm talking in the voice for like a few like sentences, like a few words. It's like, hi, I'm James Mansfield. <laughs> like it's the air that traps back there. I, I don't know how to teach it, but you can try it. Let's hear your high voice. How high are we going? Um, hi. That high? Well, oh, that was cute. Yeah, try that. Hi. So be, hi. <laughs> I can't do this. So hi, I'm What's my name? Shepherd. It can't be James Mansfield. Oh, hi. Um, I'm Joseph Shepard. Wait, how do you... you is it you? You breathe in or out? <laughs> that sounds like in. a dinosaur. It takes a little bit of practice. I could usually, when I was really in my prime, I could really like hold it long. It's sort of like imagine you're imitating Mariah Carey. So yeah, so like you know, I had a vision of love. Hi. Now my dog's looking at me I'm like I'm playing a chihuahua. <laughs> oh, mine's a dinosaur. It's never gonna it's, be you. It's a dinosaur. You no, know, it's a little bit that little dinosaur that spits at you know his face, but. There's some improvements that can be done. Oh, like yes, for sure. We have a, we have a similar We're, we're going to do that. You could be my understudy. You know what? I think that when I come to Las Vegas, we are going to do a video together. I can be your sister. And this could be a day in the life of James Mansfield. But you have to, like, I think that would be so fucking fun. That's happening. Done. Oh, yes, that's happening. <laughs> to quote Judo Birch, yes, that's happening. <laughs> 100 <laughs> well, thank you so much, James, for being here with me today. I've enjoyed our conversation and just being able to see you. Can you tell everybody where to find you on the social medias? Yes, I can be found at James Mansfield at YouTube. That's the only thing I care about. Okay, subscribe to my YouTube channel and watch my videos. If you must see me anywhere else, I'm James Mansfield everywhere from Instagram to TikTok. But YouTube is all I care about. Okay, that's, that's what makes me my money. That's what I want. Subscribe. Oh, I saw so many puppets. I saw James Mansfield's bathroom. I saw so many things. If you want to see what I saw, you should head over to my YouTube to check out some little cool bits from this interview that you are not going to be able to see through a podcast. Just make sure you type in Joseph Shepard Exposed on YouTube, James Mansfield, and you'll see it right there. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I'm Joseph Shepard, and make sure to follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. If you like the show, if you love Exposed Dragged Out, and you want more, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also email me at draggedoutpod at gmail.com. That's draggedoutpod at gmail.com. And your questions may be featured on our next episode. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race to read the full interview that I had with James Mansfield. It's going to include some things that were not included in this podcast. So you should check that out using code Exposed for 50% off your membership. That's the dip with two P's.com. Promo code EXPOSED. And be sure to check out other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, their daily pop culture podcast, Pop Chaser, their TV history podcast, TV Watch Repeat, and of course, their Real Housewives podcast, The Slut Pig Podcast, with my friend Christian Gray Snow. And their newest show, I Am the Cute One, a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen podcast. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, bye. Expose yourself. Ooh. Show them what you're all about. Giraffe.